0: Welcome to the Lucid Body Podcast. I'm Faith Simpson, your host. Brian Jennings is with me today, and we're doing something unusual. I haven't done this yet, so you, you let me know if you like it. But as you know, at the studio, we do a monthly performance salon. It's one of my favorite things to do, gathering artists to present works in progress. And last month, the theme was Face to Face june ballinger and i curated it and brian and i did an original piece so this is a piece called 15 i wrote it brian is doing the music a piece from the doors called your lost little girl so here we go mm-hmm. So I decided to take a crosstown bus today, which happened to be packed, every seat taken, the M96. As I threaded my way down, this young girl suddenly popped up and before I could protest, gave me her seat and started to talk. She was intense in that adolescent way, straight blonde hair and a square build like a boy, a tomboy in the making, I imagine. She was tough on the outside and seemed a bit lost on the inside. I could almost see her past written on that freckled skin. Maybe an unwanted child squished between a bevy of bigger kids, desperate for attention. She started talking and said, You remind me of my mother, who could have been famous, an actress on stage, except for us kids. I guess we got in her way. Well, that certainly isn't your fault, I say, already thinking askance at her mother. But she was on a roll. My dad wears a suit every day. Very handsome, dark eyes, dark hair. You would like him. My mom divorced him, so he's, well, he's actually available. A real catch. A gentleman. A gentle man. Because mom divorced him, he's never around much. But my big brother, she said, watches out for me. He protects me. She paused. And plays nasty boy games with me at times, which is gross. I gulped not really ready for all this information. Another girl mishandled at too young an age, another girl whose body will grow up disconnected to desire and only keyed into the desires of those who want her, desperate to find the love that was missing from her life. Oh, I wanted to scream and pound my fist. No, 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 but just nodded at her. So she knew I was listening. I pulled some cookies out of my bag and asked if she wanted one. No, she said politely, no, I don't eat much, I guess concerned with her weight, though I doubt she was ever chubby. Maybe a classic example of taking control, eating too little, not allowing the fat to encourage a womanly cycle. To stop the woman from emerging from this beautiful uncut stone, she would not eat much. I smiled at her and felt compassion remembering that rocky teenage path myself, who never ate with pleasure until I got pregnant. And then I ate for the baby's sake, not even my own. But I remember the day, despite myself, I fully embodied the pleasure of the senses, taste, texture, smell of food for the first time without shame, with pure, lustful, animal hunger. For the first time, I was 29. It was a burrito. Someone got off the bus and the blonde girl plopped down next to me, happy she had me as an audience. She wanted me to be impressed with her. She wanted me to know she was special. I am already on the varsity of my field hockey team left wing. I run fast, and I'm pretty good at modern dance, choir, and tennis, but my sister is better, actually, in most things. My sister, she sighs, outshines me in almost everything. There was a pause, and I waited while she blushed, ever so slightly, like the hush of a soft pink rose. Actually in all things, she whispered under her breath. She is smarter, prettier and tougher than me in all things. But I do all right when I put the time in. I mean, I get good grades. I just, I just have to work twice as hard as she does, which is so annoying. And I have a terrible habit of crying, which is just so embarrassing. I hate myself for that. Sounds terrible, I say, having a sister so gifted and just for the record, I cry a lot too. She nodded, and there was a silence between us as my own eyes suddenly got wet. I think that you know what to do. Yeah, sure that you know what to do. I sat next to a 15-year-old girl today. As the bus jolted and jiggled, what I wanted to say, what I longed to do was hold her face between my hands and say, I see you, and you are perfect, and you do not need someone else to fill that hole in your heart. Let your body grow full and fat with sunshine and rain, and know that this is the time in your life to be nourished. Open your pores and let life pour herself in. But of course, I didn't say any of that. I asked if she had eaten lunch, and she said no. We got off the next stop and went to a diner on 96th Street, and all I could think about was how I had veered off at that age into a people-pleasing, boy-pleasing phase where I had no time to think or feel what I wanted. I was desperate to please others, And I did it with a kiss and a smile, like a million other women in the world trying to justify their birth and their right to stand on this God-forsaken earth by pleasing others. And the anger must have shown on my face as we slid into the booth. She looked at me, worried, afraid she had been the cause, and said, I really don't need anything much, maybe a coffee and a bagel. I don't want to make a fuss. And I grimly smiled inside, recognizing this behavior of assuming fault. I think that you know what to do yes, but it's true. I want to be a famous dancer one day and travel the world. I think Twyla Tharp or Paul Taylor Company would be a good fit, though I worry I'm too small, too short, you know, boxy, a little stump. Stop, I say. Then when I get too old, like 30, I'll become a choreographer like Twyla and I'll have my own company, which will travel all over Europe. And then, then I want three children and a tall husband who speaks French and knows how to cook and we will live in a beautiful house by the water in the south of France or or Italy, Italy's fine too. But first, I really need to take classes and get better. I'm moving here to New York after high school, and well, maybe after college, uh, dad wants me to go to college, but when I come to New York, I'm gonna truly, truly study until I can call myself a professional dancer. Just like that she stood up in the diner and did an almost perfect pirouette almost knocking down the waitress who gave her the famous new york death stare i pulled her back in the booth laughing and giving her praise as my mind sunk into my own new york days when i was like a wildfire drinking and drugging in the pursuit of self falling in love so lusciously swept like a hurricane off my legs, which already were barely tethered to the ground, but off I went and down the cliff, flying and flailing, smoking and snorting, whatever could help me justify the lie that I was being loved, that I was being seen, only to reach the bottom and shatter like a rock, splintering into pebbles of shame. gathering the pebbles up one by one, I crawled back to my own laden soul many years later after illness, loss, and blame had dampened my fire. No longer wild, but steady like an affinity flame. But of course, (laughs) I didn't say any of that. She didn't need to be scared of my mistakes. She needed affirmation for her dreams and plans and self-esteem. Instead, I said, I can just tell you have the strength and ambition to be a wonderful dancer. I just know it. I can't wait to come watch you dance at City Center. Put me on your mailing list. City Center? Mailing list, she said? Listen, you are a beautiful young woman, honest and open. And I have a good feeling about your future. Don't worry anymore. Just go full steam ahead. I have faith in you, and so should you. And now was her turn to weep having perhaps never heard such praise for herself or her plans for her brilliant future. You really think so? She said while ignoring the tears. How do you know? By this time, we had walked out of the diner and were on the busy sidewalk. How do I know? How do I know? I was stalling for time until I could no more. Because I am you in 50 years' time, and I looked away, certain she would be disappointed at the person she had become. Not a famous dancer, not married, not rich, not living in the south of France, so I am being loved by a tall man who speaks French, and I am at peace inside myself, not sure that would be enough. When I finally looked up, she was nodding her head, with a you-will-do kind of approval that only teenagers know how to do. Did you dance professionally? Yes, I said. Choreograph? Tons, I say with a smile. What about children? I can't give that away. Married? I'm not telling. Well, all right then. And she took my hand and started walking with renewed confidence towards her future, our future. I think that you know what to do, yeah. I'm sure, that you know what to do. I came face to face with my 15-year-old self today, and now, come rain or shine, heartbreak or fall, we will never part, and we will make it at least this far. Your lost little girl. Have you been to France? Oh, yes, many times. What about Robert? your friend? face-to-face with 15. Thank you for listening. And our next performance salon is soon. It's October 28th. this 2023, 7 o'clock at the Lucid Body House. The theme is Falling into Grace. So please come and uh, see for yourself. Works in progress. Thank you and talk to you next time.